And it's Monday. That means we kick off the week on the right foot with the help of Cranes Detroit Business. You can go to cranesdetroit.com. You can subscribe to your issues. You can join the Cranes family. It's all at cranesdetroit.com. And we check in on this Monday morning with Kelly Root, Cranes Detroit Business Executive Editor. And uh, always a pleasure to touch base with you, Kelly. I hope you had a problem-free weekend weather-wise and flooding-wise and otherwise. I, I did, amazingly. I feel pretty lucky that way, Paul W. <laughs> well, good for, you. good for you. I envy your good luck. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> uh, it, it, quite a story here that we hadn't thought about very much lately, and that is, yes, we know that the downsizing of Detroit Public Schools has taken place over many years, but what we don't think about a lot, at least I haven't been, maybe you have, that the glut of dozens of vacant buildings that nobody knows what to do with. Yes, um, Kirk Pinho, our real estate reporter, was thinking about this and has done a really interesting and timely deep dive this week into a very detailed inventory that the city of Detroit did um, looking at all of the empty uh, school buildings across the city. Um, the city of Detroit received a number of schools, ownership of schools, uh, from the district back in 2014 in lieu of some debt payments. And um, so the city hired a firm based out of New York to do an inventory looking at where these buildings are, uh, what condition they're in, what the neighborhood surrounding them is like, and what the prospects are for redevelopment. And that report has just been issued, and it's pretty daunting. There are 63 total buildings, totaling 3.7 million square feet on 288 acres of land throughout the city of Detroit. That includes 39 city-owned buildings and 24 that are still owned by uh, Detroit Public Schools. Um, the cost to redevelop all of them is extraordinarily high, $823 million. Um, and, you know, now the, the goal is for this report to get into the hands of developers, city departments, school officials, neighborhood folks, um, to decide which, um, which buildings deserve to be redeveloped and how and some of them, you know, the, the report does point out that some of them are going to have to be taken down. Not all of them are in great shape. And um, the report recommends that those that are in, you know, neighborhoods that are uh, thriving should obviously, uh, you know, be given priority for uh, for redevelopment. But it's going to be a long process, and clearly, clearly it's going to cost a lot of money. Well, I, I guess it never occurred to me at the time that the city actually received the DPS buildings in 2014 in lieu of payments due, uh, mm -hmm. including... $12 million. Yeah, $12 million. Uh, in what <laughs> so here, was take then, some buildings instead. <laughs> yeah, here, I don't have the money, but take these buildings so that you have this <laughs> expense to deal with. What a deal! Right. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I'm not sure that was a great deal, but with friends it, like it these, we is. don't need enemies in real estate. <laughs> I, I, you know, the terrible thought here is Kelly that we don't have the money to redevelop the 823 million. Uh, that goes without saying. But even if you redevelop these buildings, who's ready to step in and buy them where they are to turn them into something else? 
Yeah, it, it is daunting. I, as I said, um, Nikolai Vidi, the superintendent, uh, said that the district is going to be using this information as part of its 20-year facility plan, which is going to be presented to the school board in January. And um, that will include all kinds of recommendations about the current use of all school buildings. And neighborhood groups obviously are very interested in this um, and are going to be given an opportunity to weigh in on it. They didn't get a big chance during COVID to do that. So um, the hope is to have more community input, you know, going forward. Kelly Root Crane's Detroit Business Executive Editor. Uh, we've said it here a number of times uh, some time ago. Those who wanted to get vaccinated have been vaccinated. And those who have chosen not to are not going to be easily convinced they should. And it, it doesn't matter if there's a lottery or anything else. In fact, there have been studies Across the country, the lotteries don't really help that much, uh, but they do cost money. But meanwhile, uh, it's it, getting people to take these shots now has uh, has really been a uh, uphill climb. And there, there, when there used to be a rush, there's no rush now to get vaccinated. There's not. And um, Dustin Walsh, our, our healthcare reporter, um, highlighted this week a. Uh, a problem that's still out there. We don't hear a lot about it, but there still are folks who who want the vaccine and can't get it. And he wrote along with a Henry Ford mobile vaccination unit and um, wrote about, you know, one of those folks, an older woman who's housebound and couldn't make an appointment through CVS because she can't use the website and she doesn't have anybody to drive her to the clinic. So the clinic came to her and, um, you know, we take a look at the fact that there's still some demand for these you know, for, for, for these vaccinations, but the money to fund this kind of outreach where you send one van out to do just a handful of shots and neighborhood-based clinics, they cost money. And, you know, the question is going to be soon, at what point do you stop doing that sort of thing? And mm-hmm. um, the Henry Ford mobile unit is funded by uh, foundation dollars and other hospitals around town are still putting money toward getting these individual you know, shot appointments and clinics taken care of. But it does look like that's not going to, you know, go on forever. So it's kind of an uh, it's kind of an interesting dilemma. couple of quick notes. The Pontchartrain returning to Detroit with the Fort Pontchartrain, a Wyndham hotel we hear, or I should say Cranes has heard. And uh, your uh, small business reporter, Jay Davis, says, not everything was gloom and doom for small businesses. Some thrived during the pandemic. They did. Um, he did a he did a whole section on on local businesses that have done creative adaptations and actually found that the pandemic was kind of a boost to their business. Like, uh, you know, Whistle Stop Hobby and Toy in St. Clair Shores, they started a, a personal shopper um, service and they they you know did online orders for the first time. And he talked to folks at Eastern Market Brewing Company that started a beer delivery service and have expanded their locations because of. Uh, you know, demand during the pandemic. So not everybody has had a hard time. Um, some some businesses around town used the pandemic as a real um, opportunity to expand, and our small business spotlight section this week takes a look at some of those. All right. Worth uh, taking a look at for us, too. Thanks, Kelly, so much, as always, for kicking off the week on the right foot. We appreciate it. Thanks, Paul W. Have a great week. You do the same. Cranes Detroit Business, cranesdetroit.com, cranesdetroit.com, and Kelly Root, Cranes Detroit Business Executive Editor.